0: Hey guys, it's Andrea and Monika, and we are about to start the next season of Trekkie and Beyond, and this one is all about character deep dives and maybe some lower decks. So sit around, hang out,
1: and enjoy. Hi, and welcome to Trekkie and Beyond, Star Trek podcast. I'm Monika. And
0: I'm Andrea. And welcome to this next episode of our quick dives, deep dives into lower decks. And today we are talking about season three, episodes one through five. Still love the show. Every time I watch it, it's so amazing. And so these next five episodes, we are getting the answer from the season two uh, cliffhanger in Grounded, as Marina enlists the help of her friends on a rogue mission to exonerate her mother, Captain Freeman, as she faces a military tribunal for the the destruction of Catholic Planet. In episode two, we have The Least Dangerous Game. And on the tropical paradise planet, Mariner questions Commander R- Ransom on how he structures his away team. And Boimler starts to make some bold decisions. Do we like it? We'll discuss. On episode three, we have Mining the Mind's Mind. Too many M's, repeat that fast. On a remote science outpost, stone orbs are bringing fantasies to life. And Tindy starts her first day as a senior officer trainee. Keyword on the training part. But Tindy, she's our girl. She got this. In episode four, we have Room for Growth. Marina, Boimler, and Tindy are clashing with their arch rivals, Delta Shift, as they fight for a bedroom on the top floor of the decks. And the Cerritos engineering crew, they're a little stressed out and they need to relax them. Can they listen to the captain and do it? We'll find out and in episode 5 we have reflections and mariner and boimler are working at the starfleet recruitment booth at an alien job fair and rutherford he starts to challenge himself and we're meeting a a new side of him i'm excited let's get into it which one was one of your favorite was your favorite episode out of this bunch
1: My favorite was the first one Grounded because it had so many Easter eggs Mm -hmm. and it was like a really cool away mission because they had a lot of free time in their hands to um, get into trouble and they did just that. So (laughs) it was uh, fun just to see them at like a nostalgic amusement park and um, all sorts of other really cool things we'll dive into. I would say a close second was reflections because as someone that lives the con life, I appreciate the whole booth issues and um, booth neighbors and all of those dynamics <laughs> in Rutherford. <front of> <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: um for me, my favorite, I think of these five, it's a very it's very hard. It's a very hard one. Um it's either reflections or room for growth, and for reflections, it would be because of Rutherford's side story in this in this episode. Um, I always love seeing will go crazy, but for reflections, it was getting a little bit. Um, it was showing how this show does have um, connections to past episodes, and they're not all one-offs. These are there are little hidden mysteries, and we get a doozy in episode five. Um, and I actually have to say, so I don't know if I have a close second, but the one actually, um, I'll say the second one would be the least dangerous game, strictly for Boimler's part of the episode, because we get to see him sort of actively come out of his shell and try and be like, you know what? I'm not going to think the worst. I'm just going to say yes and see what happens. And boy, is it funny. Um, it's really interesting though, because we are about to go into actually, um, my least favorite episode. And that's number one is Grounded. So Grounded, uh, is for everyone who is watching or if it's been a moment since you've watched uh, Lower Decks, um, it is the basic continuation of seasons two uh, cliffhanger. When we last saw the crew, you know, Captain Freeman was getting arrested and she was being hauled off to literal jail or wherever Starfleet's put their people um, because they thought she destroyed Papua Planet. And we see Mariner at home. We see her with her father. We see her like destroying everything because in pure Mariner fashion, she cannot express her emotions in a healthy manner. She can't just say that she's scared. She has to fight. And then we get to see a little bit of their home life. We get to see was home life, and that <laughs> that boy is stupid. Like he is so stupid, and I love him so much in this episode, but I still hated it. Um, and then we get to see uh, Rutherford show Tindy around, um, and like we get to see some of Earth stuff. But I have to say, Mariner in this episode really sort of ruined it for me. I did not like how she acted throughout. And I know she was trying to save her mother, but like all the decisions she's made, they were very selfish and pigheaded. And she she doesn't think things through. and almost makes the situation worse instead of better. What are your thoughts on episode one?
1: First of all, I like the fact that as a continuation to season two, it took it in a completely different direction than I thought. So mm-hmm. I thought it was going to have a court case mm-hmm. of, or a trial of some sort, and it didn't. So, <laughs> so it didn't have any of that stuffiness. Um, it didn't really go into any of the packlets and all of those other issues. So I like the fact that it, it was a surprise for me. And Mariner for me repeatedly jumps to conclusions over and over and over again and so this is her mo for me and so she did it to her own detriment in front of her father in front of everybody and um as a proud plant mom and uh it was heartbreaking for me to see her break all the bases and flower pots throughout her father's place. And for him to not show any, like he was upset, but not really. So um, I thought that that whole dynamic was cool. Um, uh, Her father was on the call with, I guess, Mariner's uncle. So it's cool to see that there's other Starfleet leaders, leadership in that family. And- I'm going to be, I'm going to
0: sort of cut in right there. I think that's more of my father's best friend, uncle versus blood. Cause I'm going to be honest. I didn't see no resemblance at all whatsoever. And Becca doesn't look like her parents either, but I, I got the vibe. They were more like best friends than they were. Let us know in the comments. Did you guys think they were like blood brothers or best friend brothers?
1: Right. And, you know, projected out into the future, who knows how family dynamics, I mean, could be adopted. Who knows? It just, sure. the fact that you see this, I don't know, this um, kind of two guys that have, mm-hmm. in two um, darker complexion guys have a really good rapport that are colleagues in it, bouncing ideas off of each other mm-hmm. and also know, the daughter, like a daughter, that was pretty cool dynamics for me. And I like that. And the, it seemed as though this uncle character knew that Mariner jumps to conclusions and was like, she's still the same kiddo. <laughs> so she hasn't changed much, but she does have other people in Starfleet I think she can lean on um, besides those that are part of, I guess, missions. So, um, just starting out the scene that way was pretty cool for me. And then it just continued to grow. I i am surprised that we're on completely opposite ends with this episode, um, because... <laughs> and and, so, and like, I have to say, I have to say, like I love
0: Mariner, I do, but there are moments where she really does need to grow and grow up. And this is one of those episodes. This was one of the episodes where it's okay to be emotional. Because we all know, and we all know the reason she's acting this way is because she's scared of losing her mom. She's scared. But instead of trusting her father, who's not going to let his wife go to jail, (laughs) he's an admiral. He'll figure something out. Um, Like, if if her own father was saying, trust the system, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Why couldn't she trust that they, that they... That they that they that he knew what he was saying, like he knew what was going on,
1: right? For me, it goes to show that she doesn't trust her mom and she doesn't trust her dad, so it's equally so. It's not just the mother daughter relationship, there, she just has trust issues all the way around, (laughs) so she's consistent there, but she also doesn't trust Starfleet and the system, the process for um, she's a she's.
0: For, she's very much into conspiracy theories. She's she is someone who knows conspiracy theories are crazy, but when she finds herself quote unquote in
1: one, it's a conspiracy, man. <laughs> right, right. And for in one episode, she told like the bartender that she was black ops. She was mm-hmm. like part of section thirty-one. So <laughs> just have fun with it. Um
0: I love. I love Boimler's little vineyard, which all they do is make grapes, and it's just like you don't even do fun things with the grapes; you just dry them out. And it almost sort of like, for me, it's like a play on his like personality. Like you see, you think he's just he's this go-getter, but he could be somewhat dull and dried out on some scenes and some episodes. And also, how he is just not either he is not attracted to any of those girls, or he just does not get they were hitting on him.
1: Yeah. And I'm hoping it's not classes. I'm hoping it's not because they're like not part of Starfleet. And um he's thinking more about his trajectory in the Federation. Uh, I-, I wonder if it was something similar and they were all in Starfleet uniform if he would nonchalantly call them all. <laughs> but that was so that was strange. But you know, he had blinders on and um for me the big takeaway was the fact that he dyes his hair purple we learned that i thought that that was like just his natural Mm -hmm. his his style to know that he artificially created that style is a whole other thing that little edginess. <laughs> um, but this
0: episode ends and I will say the way this episode was going, I definitely thought this was setting up season three for a whole different way. And that also could be a reason why I don't really like it. Um, Cause after Mariner, you know, grabs her crew and they sneak onto the Cerritos and they are trying to find the logs and she keeps finding issues of why things like of easy plans won't work. the um, why she can't trust anyone. She tries to hijack the Cerritos to go to go across the universe to get the permit, like, to get the proof. But she did have proof, but because she didn't trust that, even because she thought it was silly, she didn't think anyone else would trust it. Um, and then we see her friends literally battle her to the ground to stop her from escaping. And that's when she has her breakdown of just like, I can't lose my mom, you guys. Like we finally have a good relationship. I can't lose her. All for it to come out that her mom was found innocent because Starfleet was working behind the scenes to clear her name because they knew she didn't do it in the first place. But it was all a deep cover act and we find out the was blew up their own planet because they wanted a better planet because apparently that was just a thing. Um, It's like I thought this episode was sort of going to go on to like a journey of like maybe three or four of her like trying to invade other Starfleet ships to get the proof and then it turns out No, they never knew the proof. This is just Mariner. If she had just waited, everything would have been good. And her father even says, I told you to trust me.
1: (laughs) Yes. So I was thinking at the end of this episode, okay, does that mean that Captain Freeman was promoted to another ship? (laughs) Because um, that's kind of the way we left off before she was, um, her arrest was staged. Um, but I guess that whole thing was, was staged. Um, one really cool area within this episode was the, um, the amusement park Mm -hmm. and the rocket ship, um, which was the first ship to go to warp drive and a few other things. There's a whole lot of Easter eggs. I would love for folks to uh, watching and listening to us to share their easter eggs in the comments there was just so much in that scene and then um Tendi and rutherford had um dinner and hung out at cisco restaurant mm-hmm. which is cisco's dad from deep space nine yeah so that was pretty cool and just just lots of yeah and so sweater, him. one more thing, remind me of like a Bill Cosby sweater from back in the day from the 80s and 90s.
0: <laughs> um, okay, but moving on to episode two. Um, we find that the episode, well, sorry, before we go into to episode two, the very end of episode one as a um as a sort of um What's the word? Punishment for Mariner. We see that her mother decides that she's going to answer to ransom moving forward. So that way she can stay in Starfleet. And I think this is the first time she's actually going to have a punishment that's going to make her change her ways, possibly. You know? Yeah. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah. I um, But, you know, I, I think Char character just It's just the way it is. (laughs) I don't know. We'll see how this, how changing her reporting authority changes her. Well, back on to episode two, we have
0: our Ragtag team. They are playing their digital version of Dungeons and Dragons. And um, we see the first time that Ransom basically pulls rank over Mariner is he calls her to a meeting in his office an hour before it's supposed to even start and Rutherford's like oh just be there at normal early um and we see that Boimler in this episode is like i'm going to start saying yes to more things because he finds out that someone else gets a captain of a ship and he's like how because he just kept saying yes and eventually he was able to get into leadership and that was sort of a good point where Boimler overthinks sometimes a lot sometimes over all the time and With him just to go ahead and say yes without even thinking about it, he had one of the best days he ever had on the ship. Until he was hunted, because sometimes you got to know when to say no. It is always good to say yes, but sometimes you got to know when to say no. And I think him being hunted throughout the ship and seeing how people weren't helping him because they were respecting the alien's culture was hilarious. What did you think of that section of this episode?
1: I really liked it, but I think in the end it helped Boimer learned more about sticking to his instincts and having more self confidence. Um, I don't have no idea why he went to the quarters of the creature that was hunting him to ask when it was going to start. That was clearly established at the very beginning of the hunt. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> so- so um, he had plenty of time to hide, I feel as though, but um I'm intrigued by this bold boimer. I um mm-hmm. think that bold boimer can really go places. And on the other half of the episode we
0: have that day a space elevator to a planet has um broken down and Starfleet has been tasked with fixing it, and Mariner. And uh, Mariner thinks that she and Ransom are going to go down to the planet and be like sort of uh, emissaries and ambassadors. And really, uh, Ransom ends up sending engineering down, which doesn't make any sense. But at the same time, he's like sh- sort of showing Beckett no job is too big, like you got to do the work, and that they're just as capable of doing everything. Turns out engineering was not capable. They should have showed their belly buttons. <laughs> Um, and he ends up having to save the, he, Ransom ends up having to save the day. But in that part of the episode, Becca does what Becca knows best. And she's like, I'm going to go down there and save them because Ransom doesn't know what he's talking about. And she's literally jumping out of the ship and like suiting down, which to me was almost like a callback to the, uh, Star Trek movie with, uh, Chris Pine when they were like, uh, gliding down in their suits. Um, and then he's like, oh, well, um, you're right. They're out of, they're over they're in over their heads. I'll meet you here. We'll go down and save them. And she's like, "Oh, crap. Now I got to stop and climb up all these steps to meet him again." Cuz just like all you had to do was wait Beckett. All you had to do was wait for other people to like up for their for your superiors to tell you what to do. Like they uh, they know the job. They're there. They there's a reason they have the job. <laughs> what did you think?
1: I'm tired of her outwitting uh, the bridge crew. And there were so many signs that um, Ransom should have picked up on to know that she wasn't up there the whole time. And I'm disappointed that even at the end, he didn't pick that up. I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm I'm fearing that he's starting to play that whole um, kind of dumb dad. Um, and I I wish that was not the case. I'm hoping it's gonna get better later, but I wish that he would pick up on a lot of the signals, things that she's throwing down and he's not picking up. Ransom Yeah.
0: I think the so part of me with ransom, because my opinions of him have changed so much in season one to thinking he's just like, you know, a shiny face. Um, And that's it. I think Ransom is, I feel like he's luring her into like a false sense of security because he's expecting Beckett to do what Beckett does. And And she did. It's Like, I'm going to let you be you and see what you're, like, are you going to respect what I'm doing? Or are you going to fight me every single way? That's what I got in this episode. Now, is it going to work? Is it smart? I don't know. I don't know the answer to either of those two. But I got because like, Ransom is used to Beckett's being the way that Beckett is. And I feel like he's a lot, either allowing her to enough rope to hang herself or see if she's going to listen and like fall in line. But we know Beckett never falls in line.
1: Right. So. Because she did just what he thought that she was gonna do. She violated the trust, his orders, and mm-hmm. she went, she parachuted down anyway. Um, she was able to, like cover it up, but that doesn't make it right. And that's no, the reason right. why he was brought in to micromanage hers because, because of things like this. So I mean, unless he just honestly didn't know that's what
0: she did. He might have an inkling that she had decided that she was going to, but he may not have proof that she actually did it. So we'll see. Um, but in the end, Ransom's able to save the day. And Boimler has an amazing day and learns some sage advice from an
1: alien who was trying to hunt him. So, Yeah, I thought the catch and release, what I call the catch and release scene at the end between the alien monster throwing back, I thought that was very cute. It was. <laughs> Um what did you think about the whole Dungeons and Dragons like role playing game in the future on that screen with the Klingon I
0: loved it I absolutely loved it because um it shows that no matter how much of a nerd you are there's still a version for you and like for people who are just like oh Dungeons and Dragons, like it's like they melded the both the past and the future together for this game. Mm-hmm. It was virtual. And they were like, um, it was a Klingon type, but it was still um, Dungeons and Dragons. So I think I really liked it. I liked it.
1: Yeah, I liked seeing the Klingon as, and I'm learning this, the Dungeon Master, like on mm-hmm. that view screen, giving orders. And th- yeah, I thought that was cool. If there's so one that pro- note, will project and persist in the future, I think it will be Dungeons and Dragons and poker chess, maybe.
0: <laughs> I think chess is more like a 3D chess type now. Yeah. It's like those up layers. Yeah. The theory behind chess. Yeah. Yeah. But on that note, we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to continue to talk about the last three episodes of this block because there's a lot that happens and I cannot wait to discuss it with you guys. Don't go anywhere, we will be right back. Hey guys, it's Andrea. And if you love watching Star Trek and other science fiction TV shows, check out my book, Elendal. It's all about Aubriana, a young woman who finds herself on an alien planet in the middle of an intergalactic war All because the mother who she thought abandoned her was really a general in an alien army. Now she has to work with a stubborn prince and his family to get back to the peace she once knew. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Apple Books, and wherever else you shop for your ebooks. And for my listeners out there, it's also available on Audible. For more information, check out my link tree in the episode description. I look forward to your readings. Now back to the episode. And welcome
1: back to Trekkie and Beyond.
0: We are for here for part two of this episode. So in this one, we're going to talk about episodes three, four, and five, which is Mining the Mind's Mind, Room for Growth, and Reflections. So going into episode three, Mining the Mind's minds, I have to say I was not impressed with this episode. Now, 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 there is nothing wrong with this episode. It is a good episode. There, It is a fun episode. Um, we get to learn how other people within the California class view um, the Cerritos. But it just was not a fun, ep- it did, compared to the other four in this stack, it didn't hold up well. It didn't hold up to the action side of it. It didn't hold up to the oh my gosh side of it. It was just there. And so basically, this episode, um, Starfleet, they are on this planet to basically figure out why these orbs are turning people into stone. Like, what's going on? And they find out that these orbs are like reading their minds and bringing out their fantasies into real life. And if they touch their fantasies, then they turn into stone. And they're tasked to work with another, with another. Um, California class ship, and they're all there to help repair everything. And in normal Cerritos manner, they think that the other crew is like looking down on them and trying to like outdo them. And when how it always happens is hits the fan, and their are backs against the wall, and they argue with the other crew. It comes out that the other crew actually is in awe of the Cerritos because everyone knows the legend of the Cerritos and how. Um, They are out there kicking butts and taking names and doing all the amazing stuff. And on the flip side, on the back on the Cerritos, we have Captain Freeman with another captain, Maynor, Mayer. Um, And how they're arguing back and forth over a a, um, decorative rock that was gifted to them by one of the people they're brokering peace with. And we think the guy's just being rude and a dick about it, that he doesn't want a rock. And it really turns out that he's just like, I don't want to be the person known taking something from the amazing Captain Freeman. And it like sort of goes, I'll, okay, I'll say this. The so one thing I liked about this episode was a lot of the times California class, but um, we've seen them get like knocked down. We've seen Captain Freeman turned away from a party that an instant on another ship would have been able to get into, but a captain of a California class couldn't get into. We've seen them disrespected and feel less than because they were California class. And in this episode, we actually see someone's like, I'm in awe of you. You're amazing. You're an amazing captain. I don't don't wanna take this gift that is meant for you because it's meant for you. And so I liked that aspect of this episode. What are your thoughts?
1: This episode is not memorable for me. However, I think it's the bridge between the season finale for two and what's the common episode four of um, season three because it shows that um, Freeman is stressed mm-hmm. for sure, <laughs> and also the crew of the ship. Um, don't really understand their value. And is also like really hardcore workers, but are a little less stressed than her. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's helped setting that up and it would be kind of a hard jump to go from, oh, Freeman was just um, in a stage prison to right into like the stress relief episode. So that's the only thing I could think of is like this is a filler episode to help bridge between um, bridge to Freeman's character and um, the crew's character together regarding to put them on the same page regarding stress. Interesting thought. Interesting thought. Um, Um, One dynamic I liked was uh, Freeman versus. Is it mayor? Minor? Because um, for me, it seemed like the whole millennial versus boomer kind of thing mm-hmm. in which there's a person at a generation that likes possessions and a generation that likes experiences. Yeah. And uh, one generation's like, no, I don't really need those a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. I just want these experiences. So um, at least that's what I was maybe projecting into um, that scene when they were pushing the triangle rock back and forth, back and forth.
0: Um, and it's actually very interesting because it turns out that they were all being duped by the people they were trying to broker peace between. Um, and they, the, part, the reason why they didn't care who got the rock was because they wanted it to be in a captain ship so they can download all the secrets because they were basically hacking Starfleet. And as it's Tindy's first day of being a science officer trainee, she's the one who, like, my, my one of my favorite things about Tindy is that she is this sweet little innocent butterfly until you get her pissed off. And then she's like, would you shut
1: up and look at the friggin rock? And only the way Tindy can and I love it so much. Her Orion oh. side starts to
0: <laughs> become more dominant. The Orion comes out, and there she's like, Look, look here. Um, so I did like that. That was probably Tindy feeling more comfortable in her skin was was good. Um moving on to episode four. If you if you have anything else about episode three, okay. Um moving into episode four we have another little almost not really an away mission but like a it felt like in a it felt like a cross between an away mission and like a scavenger hunt because we see we see our our Rattac crew um Beckett uh Boimler and Tindy, they are trying to get this room um on deck 1 and it's supposed to be four bedrooms on deck one. And they sleep in the hallway. These incidents basically sleep in the hallway. They have no privacy. They have no doors. They have no screens. People are walking up and down the hall. It's crowded. Um, and Tendi overhears Delta ship saying how they're going to hack the, the lottery so they can get the room. And we see them go on this sort of mission within the ship to get to the, uh, the computer first to hack it themselves. And so we get to see, I like that on this episode, we got to see a lot of different parts of the ship that we otherwise didn't get to see. What did you think?
1: I have a love-hate relationship with this episode (laughs) because because in the very first episode of the show, they showed us the full map. Mm -hmm. So, and where their quarters are located. And it seemed as though it was very clear what each area of the ship was for but there's secret passageways that lead to other secret passageways to get to uh this computer station Uh, i just don't i'm not believing it but um it, it is what it is it's part of the story um and it it shows two groups That are involved with teamwork in this side of the story. However, they were still like outwitted. I kind of like that part (laughs) because (laughs) um, they shouldn't always win. (laughs) And they were outwitted by the other team that was like, oh, we'll share the quarters together instead of, um, uh, I guess they gave up the quarters. So, So when it turns out, and so
0: this was one of the things that was interesting, when they found out that it was, it wasn't a room on deck one, it wasn't four rooms on deck one, it was one room on deck four. And instead of thinking we could have shared the room, they're like, we don't want to be separated. And they decide to let Delta Shift get it thinking Delta Shift was going to be separated. And they were like, we'll just take the room ourselves, all four of us together in room. And um, I, I was like, why did not you guys think of that? Like, you guys could have like just shared. You're sharing a hallway. How much more worse could it be to share a room? You know?
1: Because Rutherford wasn't with them when yeah. the decision was made. <laughs> <And> <laughs> he Rutherford... would have made sure that they went. They shared the room together instead of sleeping in the hallway. Yeah, Bunk beds.
0: and Rutherford, he was on his own little mission with um, with the rest of engineering who have been working overtime to bring the ship back to the way that it was um, from before the captain was almost like taken over by this alien entity who was like magically but scientifically changing the ship. Um And so like Starfleet has like a stress or there's like a stress place where they all to go. And it also reminded me back of the episode where like um, No Freaks Left Behind um, when uh, Boimler was like messed up in the holodeck and Tindy had that little floating dog or whatever. And we see that same alien again. So it seems like that alien species works a lot with keeping people uh, relaxed and healthy and everything. And how the engineering crew is unable to let go of their stress. To the point that they cause their, they cause Captain Freeman to go like off the deep end of stress. And let's be honest, she has been through some things. She has been through a lot of stressful situations. Beckett is her daughter. So <laughs> um, but what she's been going through the last couple of years, it has been a very stressful situation. And she goes off the deep end. But engineering being engineering, they come up with an engineering way of relieving all the stress from the captain and they end up saving the day and fixing what they broke.
1: Yeah. I don't think that engineering doesn't know how to relieve stress. I think that they love engineering. Like, Rutherford loves this stuff. Mm -hmm. And for some people, like, working on a puzzle, building up a, a, um, a small airplane, like a microplane or, like, doing engineering stuff for fun is like the highlight of their vacation mm-hmm. and a big stress reliever it's just not on the same wavelength as her and she wanted them to pigeon she wanted to pigeonhole them with her and be alignment as well as um the leader of the dove of the the facilitator for the stress relief she wanted everyone to follow her orders but not every. Obviously, it's Starfleet. There's a diverse group there. That that... so I I have.
0: I will say, I don't. I don't think Captain Freeman had negative intentions. I just don't think her stress relief was going to work for her version of stress relief was going to work for them because those guys were stressed and they were tired and they were sleepy. They were fixing things while they were tired. Like they needed a break, but instead of asking them. What can we do to ease your stress? She was like, Let's go to a spa because then you'll be more relaxed. So I was like, It's a good idea, bad execution because you don't want your people who's fixing your ship breaking down. Like, you don't want that. You don't want them to, you know, fall apart at the scenes if the ship breaks down. If they break down, the ship breaks down and then all hell's going to break loose. But I do think you need to meet people with, what like with what will work for them right so that's why is was can, not going to work for them i not. can
1: say that not with my current employer but um in the past i participated in retreats which were just as stressful (laughs) leading into it and the retreat itself as a day of work. So (laughs) it all depends on like how you're motivating, how the leader of the group motivates and organizes that retreat, that stress relief environment (laughs) because sometimes, yeah, it can just spiral out of control. Um, but there are two individuals that were able to, uh, let's just say, relieve some stresses and that's Dr. Tahina and Lieutenant Shax. Tahana. Dr. Tahana and Shax. They were, um, um, just having fun.
0: (laughs) Dr. Tahana and Shax are a relationship that I don't need to see more information about. I'm happy that they're happy but i'm gonna need her not to drop her top just randomly just don't do that don't do that we don't need to see
1: that keep those kitties covered thank you very much <laughs> nice pun um <laughs> they thought that they were um just on a holodeck or whatever private location they didn't in know a that bonk, was be- apparently because they
0: don't know how to, they don't know how to say the word bank in a bonk <laughs> according to uh what's his face um Boimler, a bonk. <laughs> I cracked up at that. It's a bonk. <laughs> um, so moving from anything, any more uh, ideas for or
1: anything to say about episode four? Uh, just uh, the director, uh, Mark Mac- McMahon, stated that this episode was inspired by Stand By Me. Um, the movie, and I can kind of see that in this. Okay, the teamwork part. Yeah, yeah, like that's literally it. But yeah,
0: because <laughs> like, isn't Stand By Me, offline conversation? That's not Star Trek. We'll talk about that part <laughs> later. Because as we know, I can go off the rails. <laughs> um, so coming back onto track, we're going to talk about episode five, and episode five was uh my favorite for what we learn about Rutherford. Um and so basically Mariner again is tasked by Ransom to work the uh Starfleet um recruitment booth at an alien job fair and she doesn't like it because she's like no one ever really starts signs up at a booth. Um it's gonna be so boring. And so and like Ransom's like I don't care. I ordered you to do it. You're going to do it. And this again is what she needs. She needs to know that you don't have to like everything that you're doing, but you do need to follow the orders and do it.
1: And Tendy signed up for Starfleet via a career fair. Yeah.
0: Um, And so we see that Boyne was very excited to be on the booth and they have, and this is where, this is where our booth, um, our booth knowledge comes in handy for this episode, because as one will, as we and many of our friends can attest, who you are next to is very important. Very important, because they can either help your weekend or hurt your weekend, because if you're next to someone who makes you want to pull your hair out or who tries to steal sales or tries to like who interferes when people are at your table you just want to look at them like you ain't gonna make it home tonight and then you have people who are like your buddies and you're just like oh my gosh you're so cool let's hang out after this and they make the con um and in this one they're next an archaeologist who is who used to be in starfleet but was uh jaded by her past there left and now works the archaeology guild um and kept talking down every t- talking every person who came to the Starfleet booth out of joining Starfleet. And Beckett, I will commend her. She stayed within the limits of the booth. She did what she was supposed to do. Finally. And it was Boimler who stood up for Starfleet. It was Boimler who when someone ripped off that was rude. That was rude. When someone ripped off his little pip and stepped on it and laughed. Boimler, whose identity is Starfleet? went crazy went eight and just started kicking butt and taking names and his actions got people to sign up to starfleet because like that give him that much confidence then i want that confidence too and when um ransom comes down to check on them beckett is doing her job and he even he even commends boy like thank you for standing up for starfleet but you know you're gonna have to go to the break because you, you weren't supposed to do that <laughs> Before we jump into about the first part, what did you think of that that storyline?
1: I like that a lot. This is one of the reasons why this was my second favorite episode of um, this batch. Um there are also folks that stop by tables and ask questions like they were there for kind of obviously. Yeah, of course there's an engineering department. Of course there's like <laughs> there's other things. I'm sure you could in the future, it's not uh, right now we would Google it, but um they could ask Zora or some sort of other uh AI technology about the careers available uh in Starfleet. So it's just funny that they they have to have a physical uh presence, but it's the experience which is uh different than um um I guess whatever is the same as like a web page or a social post or LinkedIn in the future. But I really like those dynamics. There's always someone that's into conspiracy theories um, or thinks negatively about a company um, and stops by a booth. And that is the case in this this example as well. um, yeah, I, I think you you hit the nail on the head. Your your booth neighbor can make or break your your weekend or your um, booth assignment.
0: And I will say, I love when Boimler was like telling people about themselves because like you're making, they're all making fun of them for being in Starfleet. And Boimler was like, without Starfleet, none of y'all mm-hmm. would exist. Right. Like we're the ones protecting you from all these, from the Klingons and from the boards. And like, we just, we started this just to explore and study, but we're doing what is right. And that was one thing that was hilarious. Like you're, they're literally getting made fun of, of protecting, for protecting you guys. Really? You don't bite the hand that feeds you. You do not bite or fight the hand that feeds you.
1: Right. And so maybe it was less recruitment, career fair kind of booth and more good PR to have. Uh, a federation booth at community events and fairs, Um, but maybe they should also have gone through some sort of mini training Mm -hmm. (laughs) before um, being out in the public's eye like this, because um, also attitude brings everything. And so um, some people would be good in that situation. Like you don't want how about this, Doctor Tahina? Tahana, yeah, Tahana. Sorry, I keep messing up her, her name. So, Doctor Tahana in that position, she would scare people mm-hmm. away. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. Um, and
0: so, the other part of this episode is the reason I love this episode, because through season one and season two, we've gotten hints that Rutherford's implant is not perfect. That there's always glitches with it. There's something going on. There's like little hidden memories and messages. And in this episode, we find out why. I think in season two, they hinted that the implant wasn't his choice. But he didn't know that. And he races like, oh, repressed memories. Or that could lead to something. And so now we're getting the answer to it. Um, When his history from his implant, the the cache is cleared by Tendi. Um... Rutherford's original personality awakens and we meet, I guess, what is considered the real Rutherford. Um, and he is this brash, splurty, brash, <laughs> arrogant little boy who um, when talking to other people is like, oh, hey Trill, like, first of all, you're not even bothering to learn her name. You're calling her by her species. And then you're asking her if her spots go all the way down. Um, we see, though, that because he's acting so different, Tindy and both Shacks they're able to know something's wrong. Something's going on with him. And when they get him unconscious and ready to, and they're studying, they realize that his personality, which, is, again, is a boggle of science, his personality is from 10 years ago. So, like, it is him. He was not taken over by an alien. It's just a past reset of memories. Um, And we see Rutherford meet himself. And it's very interesting because you think Rutherford would have his his memories, but he doesn't. So now we learn that this Rutherford that we've known since season one is almost a blank copy of who he really was. Because he doesn't remember really almost anything that got, got him to the point where he was. The old one does. What did you think of that side story?
1: Uh, It's very similar to a lot of the other stories we've seen with like the mirror universe. Um, in this case, the Rutherford that we know and love went through Starfleet Academy mm-hmm. and also has been groomed. And so that's different than the wild child, the Rutherford that hadn't been trained, uh, whether you want to call him the bad Rutherford or I'm going to call him the red Rutherford because he had the red, um, cyborg eye Mm -hmm. uh, compared to, uh, the Rutherford that we have grown to know over the course of the, the show that has the blue, um, glass over his cyborg eye. And so, um, it, 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 it shows really the difference when you have one individual that's gone through a training and has been once again groomed for, for this position. Did I get something wrong? Rutherford,
0: both Rutherfords, he was a cadet when he, this happened. So he was in Starfleet.
1: Oh. But he wasn't finished. Because I thought that... So this happened 10 years ago, right? Yeah. So maybe I'm mixing up something in the timeline because the path isn't really making sense. Okay. He, um, he,
0: he joined the ship from a transfer from another spot. He didn't join directly from right. uh, the Academy.
1: Right, only ten D. Yeah, I think so, yes. So then the Red Rutherford should be be aware of the fact that telling the tr- Trill, that asking the Trill if her spots went down, that that's inappropriate. Like there's oh, yeah, there's some things that he should have learned mm-hmm. before. Um,
0: he's, he's it, it was like a really bad pickup line. It's a yeah. really bad and pickup line. And maybe he line. doesn't care either. Because oh, no, he He's a very brash. He's got nothing to lose. Arrogant. Um, when we meet them in the mindscape of both Rutherford's talking to each other, Red Rutherford, um, is basically bringing back to our Rutherford's memory of what he was doing. He was building, um, very unsafe stuff. And Rutherford's like, "This isn't this. Why are we doing this? Or why did we do this? Because they won't let us do it in school." until we graduate, so like he's building his own stuff and he's funding it by doing all these illegal races through the neutral zone. Um, and it's just, he's very arrogant. I, it would have been very interesting to meet him, like if he never got the implant. Um, and we find out that the nightmare that Rutherford has been having in the beginning of the episode was the cause of his implant, was the reason why he has his implant. And we see a hidden voice again say, that we're just going to make him believe it was his own choice and so it's almost like he's fighting with himself but technically neither one of neither one of those versions are the wrong version because red rutherford is technically the true rutherford and the rutherford we know is the one that was manufactured by the implant almost and um, we find out that Red Rutherford has been trying to get out. So that's why your implant always glitches. When you like pears, that was me. I'm I've been trying to get out. All of his badgy, all of his bad coding was the original Rutherford trying to like take his place back. So it's like when I first watched this episode, all I could think of was like, who am I supposed to root for? Because like technically, dude lost his life to an implant. But at the same time, I like this Rutherford more. But it's still not fair that the old Rutherford got his entire personality
1: overridden by a computer. So it's like, it sucks. (laughs) But the old Rutherford, so Red Rutherford, would not have, I don't it's not as cordial. He's charm, yeah, he's more of a (laughs) douchebag. Oh, I, so, I, I don't think they would have been friends. Um, this Rutherford is much more friendly. And, yeah. I like this which is the reason better. why he enlisted with his friends to help save the day in the end, mm-hmm. not working by himself. Yeah. I'm not negating
0: which one is better because our Rutherford, the one that we, uh, I like him the best. Yeah. He's amazing. I love him. But it's still, he's a product of something that happened to the Red Rutherford without Red Rutherford's consent. So it's like I like the end result, but it's not fair to the original, regardless of the fact that he was a douchebag, that he got, that his entire, he was lobotomized almost. Like He didn't ask for the implant. Everything about it was a lie. He was made to think he wanted it. So it's like, it's not
1: fair, even though he is a jerk <laughs> that's why i would love to see the boimler that stayed on the titan yeah like, and to see how their two personalities have evolved mm-hmm. under different captains different levels of stress and so forth like that yeah completely
0: um, because like, it's, it's like a catch 22. Like, I don't like you. I like this guy better, but at the same time, still wasn't fair. What happened to you? So it's like, I'm rooting for your downfall, but do you deserve this downfall? <laughs> Just because I like this other version of you more. It is a personal conundrum, but I am happy. are with the third one because he, I felt like it would be best if they blended, if they merged together and like. Because Rutherford is sort of a pushover. He's like, okie-dokie, okay, ha, <laughs> yeah. If he was more of a sure of himself a bit, I think it would... He doesn't need to be arrogant. But I think he could take some pointers from his old self. Not the whole, those little spots go all the way down. We don't need that. But the crazy engineering genius with a little bit more daring, yeah, bring him forward.
1: Yeah, I guess I'm still coming to terms with a bold Boimler. I want, <laughs> a I want also a bold Rutherford at the same time. Like- <laughs> I can understand that.
0: I can understand that. But these five episodes leave us with some questions. Um, are we going to get the answer of what happened to Rutherford and who really was behind this? Um, Are we going to see what's going to happen to Boyd, the bold Boimler? Is that going to shoot him in the foot? Is it going to come back? Is it not? Um, What's going to happen with Beckett and Ransom? Are they going to, is she going to listen to him and actually follow along and become a part of, integral part of Starfleet who can understand, I don't have to agree with every decision that you make, but I have to respect it and follow the chain of command. Will all these answers be answered in episodes 6 through 10? I know the answer, but Monika does not. So right now, we will not talk on it yet. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Anything you want to say about these five episodes before we end our our chat?
1: I'm looking forward to the next one. I really like the Easter eggs. Oh, and there were so many mentions of... Like Kirk and Spock. So yeah. I'll, I'll end with this one. Uh, Mariner stated something about kirking it out. So I, I that's kind of a cute saying. Okay, well, as always, I'm Andrea. And I'm Anika. And live long, live long
0: and, prosper. and prosper. Hey guys, it's Andrea. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Trekkie and Beyond. If you enjoyed that episode, feel free to subscribe by pressing that small little follow button. And if you feel so inclined to support, well, that's even better. And as always, live long and prosper.